Welcome to Our Lord's Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit OLCC.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at OLCCOKC. Well, during worship, the Lord was just like restoring the joy of my salvation to me. Like I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for the Lord. And just feeling really thankful for that. And I feel like the Lord's doing a common theme this morning. And I think he is restoring the joy of our salvation. So last year, I started reading the Bible chronologically for the first time ever. I highly recommend it. Um, I started reading it last February, and uh, just this month, like over a year, I finally got to the New Testament. But I think there was something significant about sitting in the weight of the Old Testament for that long. There was this new anticipation of the coming king. I was like super excited. Okay, like the coming Messiah is coming. The king is coming. I've read about who he would be. Like, I can't wait to get to the Gospels. And it gave me this new lens. I've started reading the Gospels uh, this month. And I knew that when I got there, I would have this new perspective of how I would be reading the Gospels. And I've actually started to even read smaller chunks as I've gotten to the Gospel. I just, I just feel like the Lord is just giving me a new perspective. And I think there's something really powerful and significant about reading the Old Testament. I think we get to know Jesus more intimately as we read the Old Testament. So as I was reading in the Old Testament, I came across uh, Ezekiel 34, which is a prophetic book. So God was speaking to Ezekiel about God's people, the Israelites, the sheep, and uh, the, the shepherds, the priests, the kings, the Levites. And so God was speaking to Ezekiel, the prophet, about the condition of the hearts of his people, about the condition of the heart of the leaders And uh, one thing I really love about God is that he speaks to us in ways that make sense to us. So in the Old Testament, lots of people were raising animals, right? They're like raising cattle. They're like shepherding sheep. So he speaks to Ezekiel in a way that makes sense to them. He's saying, hey, the shepherds, the priests, the Levites, the kings, they have been shepherding the sheep, the Israelites, God's chosen people, in a way that has led them astray. So the priests, the Levites, and the kings were supposed to shepherd the hearts of God's people. These are God's chosen people, the Israelites. And so as the kings began to um, worship idols, or there was even a king one time in the Old Testament that set up idols, all, it said, on every street corner. Because they, he wanted worship to be more accessible to God's people. But really, they were worshiping man-made idols. They were not worshiping God himself. And so as these leaders started to turn their hearts away from God, it began to influence the people, God's sheep, the same way. There was a a king who closed the doors of the temple so worship for God couldn't happen anymore. And so we see throughout the Old Testament that there's a turning away from God and a returning, and a turning away and a returning. But God is so faithful to continue to choose Israel. We see that time and time again. So as I was reading Ezekiel 34, Psalm 23 came to my mind. And I would encourage you guys, we don't have time to like dive into both of these passages today, but I would encourage you guys to read both of them together. There's promises about who the good shepherd would be in Ezekiel and uh, 
Psalm 23. So as I was reading that, here we are about to land our passage today. Uh, it led me to Matthew 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And that says, When Jesus, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So we see that God's sheep, God's people, the Israelites, have been harassed and helpless. And so the good shepherd is coming to proclaim the kingdom of God is here. So verse 35 Verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus knew that the kingdom of God was not supposed to stay in one place. Jesus knew his calling was to go from town to town, proclaiming the good news, teaching about the good news, and displaying the good news. He was awakening hearts and reviving hearts. Their hearts had been led astray from God. And he was come, coming with power, coming with authority, and coming with displaying the kingdom of God. And so we see in uh, Luke chapter 4 where Jesus was in the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness. He came out of the wilderness, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was handed a scroll. He went to the synagogue, handed a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah. He flips, he opens the scroll. They didn't, were able to flip scrolls. He opens the scroll and he finds Isaiah verse 61, 1 which was a prophecy about who the coming king would be and what he would do and how he would recognize him. And Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. And Jesus, I imagine him rolling it up like a boss and he's like, and today, in your hearing, this prophecy is fulfilled. The one that you've been waiting for, the Messiah, the coming king, the one who would save you and restore you and free from captivity, today it is fulfilled in your hearing. Isn't that amazing? And we get to live on the other side of that. So Jesus came to capture hearts. He came to proclaim the good news. He was declaring it with his mouth. He was putting it in the atmosphere. His words hold power. He was teaching about the kingdom of God. We see that in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Hey, you live in this world. This world is crazy. Lots of things start getting stored in your heart because you live in a fallen, broken world. And he comes and he brings the good news. And he comes and he says, this is the way to live as a chosen person of God. He comes not only with words, but he comes in action. He comes in displaying the kingdom of God through healing every disease. People are transformed at the sight of seeing Jesus. And so he came with power. He came to display. He knew that people needed to see the kingdom of God be displayed. And so we even see in previous chapters leading up to this one that Jesus was raising the dead. He was healing the blind, the mute, those with leprosy, the paralyzed. He was casting out demons. Jesus came to the Israelites right where they were in their brokenness. And he came to heal them and restore them. And that is true for us today. 
verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I believe that Jesus was seeing, yes, probably physical things about their body or their person that would give indication that they were harassed or helpless or in need of or in help, need help. But I also believe that Jesus was seeing through the Spirit's eye right into the hearts of his people, right into the minds of his people. He was seeing that they have been harassed and helpless, and he was moved by compassion at the sight of seeing his people. He looks out on the crowd, and he's looking right into the hearts of his people, and he's saying, Ah, oh, Bethany, I see your heart. I see your mind. I see your wounds. I love you so much. I am moved with compassion for you. I have come for you, Bethany, for all of us. So in Ezekiel 34, just like the Israelites who had bad shepherds in their lives, guys, we too have had bad shepherds in our lives. Whether we've knowingly or unknowingly have given someone access to have that role and position in our hearts and in our lives. People's words and actions influence our hearts and our minds, unfortunately. But God knows that. This could be friends or parents, teachers, pastors, neighbors, husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends. People have influenced us. We have childhood wounds that affect us as adults. Am I right? We uh, get wounded even as adults, you know, but God is so kind. He's moved with compassion at the sight of seeing our wounds, our brokenness. So I have this memory when I was in seventh grade. Uh, it was like the middle of the day, and one of my friends and I were going to our other friend's house to ask if they could, like, play. You know the word play, hang out. Uh, I feel like that's not even a thing anymore, but maybe. Um, <laughs> But we went over to my friend's house to see if she could play, and uh, they opened the, she opened the door, and uh, like all of our friends were like hanging out in the house and like having fun, and you know my friend and I we you know weren't invited, and so it was you know not fun to like be like hey you want to hang out, and then it's like oh there's like everyone in the house hanging out, and then to my seventh grade memory, uh, I'm like pretty sure that we were still not invited to like come hang out. And so you can imagine, as a seventh, year old, seventh grade girl, what kind of wounding took place from that experience. What kind of thoughts I began to have about myself. Am I wanted? Am I loved? Does my presence matter? You know, taking that wound into other friendships. And just when the la within the last two years, the Lord has been kind to reveal that memory to me and bring healing. But our wounds affect us. And God has been so kind to me, so kind, it makes me tearful, to restore to me good friendships. He's given me friends that love me in a way that I've never experienced before. And I'm so thankful. And that's who God is. He takes our wounds and he restores. God knows how our wounds affect us. He knows that it can affect the way that we see him, that we see God. Our wounds can get in the way, and then all of a sudden, we can't see God anymore, or we're seeing him through this false filter. It's true with the way that we hear God's voice. We have these wounds, so we begin to hear God's voice in a false filter. Or maybe we even begin to stop hearing God's voice because our wounds continue to overpower. 
God knows that our wounds affect the way that we see each other. I'm wounded, now I'm seeing this person through this wound. I'm wounded, now I'm taking in what they just said through this wound. God knows that our wounds can bind us and keep us captive from fullness, from life, from our identity. God knows that our wounds can separate us from him, from one another. God knows that sometimes, because we're human, we can project our pain onto other people and vice versa. God knows that we can be blind to our wounds. God knows that sometimes our wounding is passed down from generation to generation. Maybe your parents did something to you that their parents did to them because that's what they knew. So then they turned around and did it to you. God knows that wounds are painful and sometimes we escape and we try to run and we try to, to fulfill it and escape it. And we seek idols and we seek, seek out sin because sin is fun, but yet it continues to fail us. God knows that our wounds can produce these untrue things that we believe as truth. God knows that our wounds can produce a false identity of who we are. Isaiah 1 verse 5 says, Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why should you be harassed and helpless and wounded? Nobody in the Old Testament could save anybody. Because that's Jesus' role, right? So why should you sit with these wounds and these, these hurts and these pains any longer? Why do you persist in rebellion? Maybe you're running away from the pain and you're looking for things to fulfill, to fulfill you and escape the pain, but it's snapping you right back. Your whole head is injured, the thoughts, the untruths, the woundings that have taken place. Your whole heart is afflicted. What's been stored in your heart? What's holding you captive? The good news is, is that Jesus came to intervene and make a way for us to be healed and restored and forgiven and for us to forgive others. We can't forget that part. <laughs> and so John 10.10 10 tells us that the enemy comes to steal, steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and life abundantly. God wants to restore to us what's been stolen from us. Do you believe that? So what is robbing you today? What is keeping you from living in fullness, full life, full identity, the abundance of life that Jesus offers? Isaiah 61 verse 1 again, it says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. This is who our God is. Time and time again, throughout our, throughout our whole life, we will never have fullness of all healings in our whole life. It is going to be a process. But there's promises here. God says for the brokenhearted, he will bind you up in his love. He will wrap his arms around you. There is healing for you. There's a promise if you are held captive to maybe sin or idols or such, there's a promise of freedom. If you are imprisoned to something, maybe shame or unforgiveness or an addiction, there's a promise of release. 
And that's for us today. Like, I believe the Lord's going to do that today. So when I was in my early 20s, uh, as a believer, I uh, was engaging in this season of sin. And I started to justify why it was fine, why it was okay for me to engage in it. Um, And I felt the Lord say, hey, it's time for you to stop doing that. And I was like, Lord, I don't think I have the strength to do that. It felt really hard. And God was so kind to pull me out of it. And it was so painful, and I was so lonely, but, but God met me in that place. And I felt like for a season, for years, I was like hiding in this darkness. I began to have thoughts that would replay in my mind about this sin that I was doing that kind of, I would say, even tormented me. And I remember the first time I confessed to somebody, it took me a whole hour to say something I could have said in three to five minutes. I remember sitting in that chair, just like scared and fear and just bound to shame. Guys, I was bound to shame. And I felt some sort of relief in that when I confessed it. But there was still this hiding that I felt, like I was hiding in this darkness. And it wasn't until I confessed to two of my friends about this sin that I did before they even met me. But when I confessed to them and experienced the love of Jesus through that confession, I'm not kidding you guys, complete release from that. Complete release from shame, from guilt, from the darkness that I felt. And even as I say that, God is so kind, like I said earlier, to restore my friendships. Right? In that moment, God was showing me, I love you. Here's good friends for you. Hey, I want to free you. So what do you guys need healing of? What wounds are in your hearts and in your minds? What things are you held captive to? I feel God saying there's a simple invitation of just inviting him into that place. We have access to this because of Jesus. Jesus came. He who had no sin came to bear the weight of our sin. In the Old Testament, people would go out to their backyards, their farms, and they would get their animal, right? You guys remember the Old Testament? And they would, take, they would go out and go get their best choice animal because God deserves our best. And they would lay their hands on this animal. They would identify themselves with the animal. And they would lay their hands and they would transfer their sin onto the animals. And in order for sin to be no more, to be canceled, The sin must be put to death. And so then they would sacrifice the animal. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God who came without sin, came to bear the weight of all of our sin, past, present, future. For past people, present people, and for future people. He came so that all of us and every person in this world would lay their hands upon his body, casting their sin, their shame, their guilt, their fear, fill in the blank, upon his body. And because he loves us so much, he died on the cross. He put to death our sin, our pain, our wounding to bring us freedom, forgiveness, restoration, healing, redemption. He's the only one that could save. And he was raised to life so that we too may have life. And scripture tells us, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And I just want to create some space right now. Is that okay? Will you guys close your eyes? I feel like God's doing this theme. I feel like there are hearts that are ready to receive Jesus, that are ready to call on the name of the Lord. And if that's you, would you raise your hand? Everyone's eyes are closed. The only reason why I ask you to raise your hand is it's a, it's a physical act of raising your hand to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm surrendering and I want you. If your heart's pounding, that's the Holy Spirit nudging you. Is there anyone else? Even if you didn't raise your hand, you can still call on the name of the Lord. And so we're going to pray together because we are a family. And we're going to celebrate those who just said yes to the Lord. So let's all pray together. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. You can have my heart. Come and have my life. My life is yours. Thank you for loving me. I love you back. In Jesus' name. There's a second thing I feel like the Lord wants to do. And I feel like he just wants us to invite him to come. For us to just take a second to listen. Does that sound okay? All right. So the reason why I ask you guys to close your eyes is it just blocks out mental, physical distractions and just focuses our attention on the Lord. And so I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what wounds in your heart or your mind do you have that Jesus wants to bring healing to today? And just tell, just tell Jesus, I give it to you. And then ask God to restore you. And then just tell God, thank you for restoring me. In Jesus' name. I feel like it's simple. Like, I feel like Jesus was like, hey, it's a simple invitation, and I'm, I'm going to do it quickly. I feel like some people are going to be healed of woundings immediately, and sometimes our wounds of healing take, take time, and that's okay because God is still good, and he still has healing and restoration for us. So the last part, <clears throat> verse 37, I feel like the Lord's not done either, so I feel like we need to linger in that part after church too. The last part is verse 37 and 38. And it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Guys, hearts are ready. Hearts are ready to receive Jesus. We live in a world that's full of division and war and hate and anger and confusion and sickness. And that's the perfect place where Jesus wants to come and take back his ground. Where he wants to come and revive hearts. Where he wants to come and love on people. Where he wants to come and proclaim his love and what he's done for those people. For us. For me. You know? And he's, he needs help because Jesus left because he had to fulfill his purpose. So he calls us as his disciples to go and teach and proclaim and display the works of the kingdom. But we must go in the eyes of compassion just like Jesus had. We must go filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in the authority of Jesus because we can't do it on our own. So Acts 1.8 says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples after he was raised to life. It says, but, when you receive pow- but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so when Jesus was talking to his disciples about Jerusalem and Judea, they were actually in Jerusalem. So he was saying, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power to do the works of the kingdom, and you're going to walk in the authority of the kingdom. And you're going to do that right here in Jerusalem, and you're going to do that in Samaria and Judea, which were surrounding towns, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying, hey, our Lord's community church, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be God's witness right here in Oklahoma City, in Guthrie, in Midwest City, and all the surrounding towns. And the work that we're doing here is going to ripple out into the ends of the earth. Sometimes we're going to be called to labor and sow for the harvest. There's a student who expressed recently how hard it is right now to be a sower, to sow seeds, to to keep showing up, to break up that dry ground and lay some seeds. But trusting that the Holy Spirit will be the one to water those seeds, whether she does or does not see the fruit of her sowing. Sometimes we're going to be called to labor and sow in prayer and in worship and interceding for them, in loving them with our actions and our words, being consistent and showing up, building trust. And sometimes we're going to get to reap the harvest, the work that somebody else did. We're going to get to lead people to Jesus. We're going to get to disciple others. We're going to get to see the fruit. And so I just feel like there's also an invitation for us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, to go and make disciples, to go and sow seeds and just love people right where they are, just like Jesus. You guys into that? Yeah. Uh, So if we have the band come up and then the ministry team. So if that's you, if you feel led to uh, be a worker in the harvest, will you stand up? Whether that's here locally or you feel called to the nations. I'm just going to pray for us. Will you guys open your hands as a physical act of, Lord, I'm receiving your power. I'm receiving your spirit. 
So, Lord, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you love us, God. We thank you that you call us to go and do the things that you once did and even greater things. We thank you that you are kind to pour out your spirit, the same spirit that filled Jesus to do the works of the kingdom. We thank you, God, that you put your spirit in us. And we just ask right now, God, would you come with power? Would you come with mighty wind? Would you come and fill our hearts and our minds, God, with your spirit? God, I just pray over the people standing, God, that they will be your witnesses right here in Oklahoma City, surrounding cities, and to the ends of the earth. I pray you would give them the guidance and the words and the boldness and the compassion and the gentleness and the power to go in your spirit to proclaim the name of Jesus in the way that others will receive it well. God, I even ask that you would prepare hearts right now, God, that as we leave this building, hearts will be prepared to receive the good news, to receive the love of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.